Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today and every Thursday to Living Well with Dr. Peg. Special thanks to our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education and training. Well, you know, everyone's talking about fake news these days, but what about bad news? What's the impact on us and especially our children when we're hit with a constant stream of tragic news stories, violent and shocking events, and sexual harassment accusations? How can we cope with bad news? Well, my guest today has some answers for us. Taronda Thomas is an award-winning journalist and Nine News anchor, but she's also a wife and mom, and in this recorded interview that you'll hear, she shares her experiences reporting on tragic news stories. I'll be back with you live throughout today's program, but let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Taronda Thomas. As some of you may know, for about four years, I was a panelist on a segment on Denver's Nine News called Ask the Experts, and the segment was produced and hosted by Taronda Thomas of Denver's Nine News Morning Show and co-host of Nine News Midday Shows. And during those four years, we talked about the serious and the mundane, the famous and the not-so-famous, and everything from the Aurora Theater shooting to bullying in schools and even a presidential election To give us a behind-the-scenes look at local news, I'm delighted to have Taronda Thomas in the studio with me today. Taronda Thomas is an award-winning reporter and co-host with Denver's Nine News. Taronda Thomas, thank you for being here and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Dr. Peg. It's great to be with you. I like being on the other side of the microphone with you asking the questions Yes, yes. Well, I prefer being um, on the radio instead of in front of the camera. So (laughs) I know you're used to being in front of the camera. Thanks for sharing your voice today with my listening audience. And so we met about four years ago, and you did a story for National Procrastination Day. I don't know if you That's remember that. Right. That's where we first met. You had seen a post I had on Facebook about procrastination. I did. And I, I had been planning to post it a lot sooner a than lot I did. A lot yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> and so you invited me to uh, do a piece with you, a segment on your show, and you had been procrastinating, do you remember, about clean, cleaning up desk. your desk <laughs> at the radio station, at the TV station. Uh, the news station, and um, we saw a before and after shot of your desk. We did. And uh, the before shot was, I'm sorry to say. It was (laughs) disastrous. I will admit it. Horrible. It was a mess, uh, but the after shot looked great. You got really motivated for for the segment to get it together, right? I did. And so I guess my my first question for you uh, today, and sorry to put you on the spot, is, uh, how long it, did it last, and what is your desk looking like Ooh, today? <laughs> it is horrible. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> My desk is a war zone. But does it count that I know where everything is? I, I guess so. Yes. But, you know, I go, I go in ebbs and flows. Okay. So I'll have it messy, and then I will be at my desk trying to work on a story, and then I feel like, my chi is off. Like I do not have peace. And that's when I clean it. That mm-hmm. moment, I don't say mm-hmm. I'll wait until tomorrow. So that helped with okay. you teaching me not to procrastinate, but it does get messy. But then I clean it up as soon as I 
feel I need that zen well, in my good, life. Well, good. Well, we, we know there's some studies that show a messy desk is correlated with brilliance. Really? And so that so I'm a genius. Yes. Well, and, and then it. so when you clean up, you just kind of want to not make it too clean. I'm probably. messing it up. Yeah. yeah mess up by clean up. <laughs> well, after that interview, um, we started working together weekly on a segment that you produced called Ask the Experts. Mm-hmm. And it was myself as a psychologist and um, Ron Harmon King, who will give him a shout out, a Love P- him. PR hey, guru with Vanguard Communications and celebrity blogger Erica yeah. Cobb, who's back in Denver. We're happy to have her. She is. We're have to have her on the show. Um, what was your inspiration for that segment? It was so much fun and it had a, yeah. a really nice long run and the audience seemed to enjoy it. I think it was one of the more popular segments that we had because People like to see if you were going to say what they were thinking uh-huh. or the opposite of <laughs> yes, it, yes. you know, so they could yell at you through their TV. Um, but I think I <laughs> thought of it because I saw something similar on a national program and I found myself waiting mm-hmm. for that moment to say, like, are they going to say what I want them to say or are they going to say the opposite? And I found it very engaging and I thought there's nothing like that on TV here. And people want to express their opinions and they want to interact and they want to hear their views on TV. And there was nothing like it in Denver. So I decided to do that and look for a mixture of people. Mm-hmm. And you were just so great with the story on procrastination. And I'd met you at previous events, like with Especially Me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just knew you were an expert, definitely. So for this segment, you'd be great. And I'd met Ron previously for a story and then cycled through um, some other guests. So we had yeah, Erica, yeah. we had a couple of other people, yeah. some guests fill in celebrities. So I, I really just thought it'd be a great way to express opinions, and talk about, like you said, from the serious to the mundane. Yeah, and and we didn't always agree. And I think um, Ron Harmon King used to try to wait to see what I was going to say and say the opposite on I purpose. I <laughs> Just buttons. to kind of, uh, you know, uh, deepen the, the conversation in the three or four minutes that we had. I like that. Yeah, and so we stayed together for a while. Myself, yes. Ron, Erica. Erica moved on to other opportunities, even out of state. Now she's back. Um, so that, that third empty seat, we had some interesting folks. We had... Um, uh, Bronco Rod Smith. Do you sat remember in that? that? Yeah, I loved when yeah. he was there. He, and, you definitely cannot predict what he's going to say. <laughs> and uh, Nugget Mark Randall That's was right. there as well, and had a few beauty queens from Colorado. One of and my, no one answered World Peace. They did not. No. <laughs> but what one of my favorite things, and I still talk about it today. Mary, Mary Bell um, was a Miss Colorado. Mary Bell Gonzalez. Gonzalez. And uh, before she went on camera, she said is my crown on straight. And I said, now that's a line that you never think you'll ever hear in life. You've never been asked that uh, question. Yes, but I've, I've been able to use it going forward. I'm thinking about writing a book called The Crown of Life. Oh, I like and that. And so it really is about that crown of life that God has for us, for those who love him. And, uh, and And to persevere. And uh, so is my crown on straight. Your we crown want to make sure that we're representing straight. Christ yes. well. Um, we even had Governor Ritter as a guest panelist, if you recall that. Um, we've had some comedians, uh, Brian Kellen, and most recently, Stephanie, Stephanie McHugh. So just to give all those folks a yeah. shout out. So and just, Stephanie was so, she gelled with you all so well yeah, that we but, kept her coming back. Yeah, and she was great. Yeah. And so just, um, you probably meet so many different people doing the interviews that you do. Uh, famous people, politicians, celebrities, and also just ordinary people, yes. and and often maybe in the highs and lows of life, I mm-hmm. would imagine. Yeah. Uh, what are what are some of your most memorable um, moments from Ask the Experts? Some of the controversial topics that we covered. Mm, I think the parenting questions mm. were the most engaging for me. Like whether that's 
Um, I think we did things on like whether parents punishment was appropriate mm-hmm. on, you know, what the, to set the right standard for your kids or bullying or mm-hmm. because I think everybody is so mm, specific about how they parent. Yes. That hearing someone else's opinion like can sometimes just be off putting just for, to give your advice yeah. to someone. And I always say I do not give unsolicited advice. Right. Like I am not going to come and tell you how to mm. run your life. If you ask me, I'll tell you what I think. But yeah. that's just my two cents. Um, but I, I really liked those and things that involved kids. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of it. Well, do you remember be... the one where a lady, uh, or maybe it was a man, uh, they were together in a laundromat and, and the child ended up in the washing machine oh, or the dryer or something like that? How does that so, happen? Yeah, we all yeah. have our opinions on those. And I still find myself today as I'm uh, reading the news or watching the news saying, oh, my goodness, this would be a great story for Me experts. Too. So when we, when uh, the little boy fell into the, the cage uh, with the gorilla, you know, that people, was huge. It was very polarizing. People's opinions yeah, on because who was the mom right people, or wrong. You know, blame the mom. Mm-hmm. People blame the zoo. People blame the gorilla. Some people even blame the child for you mm-hmm. know just being a child. But it definitely, those are the kind of topics that, man, it would be great to talk about yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a lot of fun, but we also tackled uh, serious topics like the Aurora Theater uh, Massacre and uh, murders, suicides, bullying, and, and really just, you know, ugly, mean, mm-hmm. evil behavior even. Uh, what's it like as a reporter who covers tragic events day in, day out, like the Aurora Theater shooting or fires or floods that we've had, mm-hmm. you know, here in Colorado. Uh, what's that like for you to, to to do that every day? I'll give you some insight. I would say it's not as difficult in the moment mm. because you're experiencing adrenaline, you're on a deadline, mm. and you're trying to be a professional. And so that, you know, keeps you going and pumping and not you know, taking too many things in in that moment. Mm-hmm. But after that point of trying to get that interview and trying to get that live shot done, I would say what people don't realize is how much it does affect us Mm -hmm. emotionally. Um, There are times when you meet people who we meet people on the worst day of their lives a lot of times. And sometimes I feel like I'm I'm there with them and I'm trying to hold my emotion in Mm. because I want them to experience, they have the right to experience their feelings. So it's not something I acknowledge at the moment, but Gosh, as soon as I get in that truck to go back to the mm-hmm. station or get in my car to go home, I can't stop thinking about mm-hmm. them and wondering how they're doing. And oftentimes I don't get to see people again afterwards. Some I do keep up with. I remember one of the stories I did had to be I was probably here for about a year and I was pregnant with my mm-hmm. second child. And there was a grandfather who saved his granddaughter's life. She was in a stroller, only a week old, mm-hmm. and a truck was speeding down the road, and he pushed the stroller out of the way, and he got hit, and mm-hmm. he was really in terrible, terrible, terrible shape. And this family, I just could not stop thinking about them, couldn't stay away from mm-hmm. them, and um, I've kept up with them this entire time. Wow. And that baby, Sarah, is now eight years wow. old. We still talk. She, Her mom and I, our kids go to each other's birthday parties, oh, and yeah. So we built a relationship, but even where there's no relationship, there's still that emotional bond. And part of what what I think of um, in that, because Dr. Peck, I'm going to be just like you, um, I've I've definitely wanted to get my PhD Mm. and I would focus in on on media studies, more Mm. of that. And part of my 
you know, supposed dissertation would be an argument for more mental health for mm. reporters and anchors, because I think that um, stations do a good job, or at least in my experience where I am, they do a good job in the moment of that tragedy, mm. offering that extra help and counseling, because mm. when you get on the scene, if you're on the scene of the Aurora Theater shooting, right as the police are getting there, you cannot forget what you see. You can't unsee yeah. what you see in it. It's a lot. Yeah. But I think that constant care mm-hmm. is what a lot of people in media need. And that, that's why it's just it's so hurtful when people, you know, say things like, oh, you're vultures. Mm-hmm. And because I don't want to interrupt your life any more than you want me to. I really don't. And mm-hmm. I always tell people, hey, I understand if you don't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. It's totally fine. Um, but we don't enjoy tragedy. Right. We don't. I would much rather do a story on a water skiing squirrel, yeah. a la Anchorman. <laughs> um, but I think we people don't realize mm-hmm. how much we do care. Yeah. Well, you know, you're on to something. There's something called vicarious trauma or secondhand trauma. And we think of it generally with law enforcement, first responders, or even social workers who might be dealing with child abuse cases. And so there is an impact of even though you're not the one going through the trauma, you're in the helping profession or you're you're a bystander even. Um, And so you can have that vicarious trauma. And so I don't know if that's been studied in the news media. I think it would be interesting to find out. There are so many and it affects the way you react. I mean, Mm -hmm. studies have shown that people who are heavy consumers of news may be more likely to think that they could be the victim of a crime because Mm. they've been consuming that news Mm -hmm. that talks about crimes. So if that's the case, imagine someone who has to talk about it for four and a half hours a day. That's my morning show, four and a half hours. And, you know, we don't want to talk about tragedy any more than you want to hear it. But the fact that we are having to report it over and over for those audiences Mm -hmm. who may not have seen the story is big. And court, I always point to that as something that's big. Mm -hmm. Um, Covering court is very intriguing Mm -hmm. for me because I like to see cases being put together. But at the same time, you're seeing things that are evidence and pictures and things that are hard to see Mm -hmm. that you can't unsee. And I think it's why also I've I've dealt with a lot of stories involving children being Mm -hmm. hurt. And Mm -hmm. it's just it hurts me so bad because I'm a mom of three. And I think it really has impacted how I feel about people around my children. I'm mm-hmm. very, very protective yes. because I've seen too many bad things happen to little kids. Yeah. And that's how I feel as a, as a therapist. I've, I've seen so heard so many, you know, tragic stories firsthand and how it impacts people over the course of their lives uh, that it made me, I don't want to say paranoid. It, I just was using wisdom because I was more aware Um, The veil had been pulled back, so to speak, of the evil in the world and Mm -hmm. the harmful things that have happened to people, tragic things, traumatic things. And I didn't want that to happen to my children. So I became very vigilant because of the the perspective that I had similar. Sounds like for you, uh, I call it the bad news. (laughs) I, I try to be very mindful of the amount of news I consume and even the format. I prefer to read my news because then I can kind of stop when I want and skip over the parts I don't want to know about because it I'm very sensitive it's very disturbing and I'll tell you something I don't know that I ever told you this when you first invited me to be a part of uh, the nine news experts panel every week I I said oh no now I'm gonna have to stay up on the news every day (laughs) so that I'll be ready for whatever story you pick because I just can't consume it every day I still Mm -hmm. don't and it's hard to to keep up things change so quickly in today's world that and if that I might, miss a couple of days, I'm, yeah. I really don't know what's going on. 
And at the same time, for my own personal self-care and well-being, I cannot consume the news yeah. every day. And I think it's it's good to know where you have to draw the line mm-hmm. for yourself. I mean, obviously, you can't I, avoid I it. advocate for yeah, <laughs> yeah. watching the news. Mm-hmm. But I also say, you know, have a healthy consumption. Right. And we try to balance it out where I've never worked. This is the first newsroom I've worked in where if there are too many bad things happening on one day, you know, the managing editor says, Hey, anybody got a story on puppies? We yeah. need something good. Yeah. Like anybody know a grandma or grandpa mm-hmm. that's turning a hundred? Mm-hmm. Let's get something good going. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, especially in Colorado, they realize that our viewers don't want to have that all the time. Mm-hmm. I've worked in other markets where, you know, crime and those mm-hmm. types of tragic types of things played well and the TV station mm-hmm. wanted that. And that, that's hard to yeah. report that all the time. So I'm glad I'm at a station and in a market that does not harp on that where yeah. they say, gosh, we don't want too much death and destruction. Yeah. It's just not, because I mean, that, that's depressing. Yeah. So we want to balance it out and right. give something good too. Good. And I've been interviewed before after tragic events in terms of um, how do we um, protect ourselves, you know, watching the um, planes crash into the Twin Towers over and over and over again in the media. I actually um, had clients and students at the time who had previous traumas in their life, things like uh, having been raped in the past, but watching the the tragic um, visual events unfolding uh, and watching it over and over again actually uh, triggered their previous PTSD, and where, that's something, where it had been dormant, it kind of yeah, triggered it again. I think that's something that a lot of stations re- hopefully realize, because I know our policy now at Nine News is we do not show that video mm. of the collision moment of the Twin Towers because mm. it is traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, the unfortunate shooting in Florida at the airport, Mm -hmm. there's a video of the actual shooter Mm -hmm. um, doing the shooting, Mm -hmm. pulling the trigger. And NBC had that video was offered up to us. Mm -hmm. And that's something we declined to show. Mm -hmm. We did not want to show him pulling the trigger Mm -hmm. because that's jarring. That's traumatizing. Mm -hmm. Um, When there are shooters, for instance, the Aurora Theater shooting, um, you'll notice the next time you do a story, listen and see if, we say that shooter's name mm-hmm. because we participate in the no notoriety mm-hmm. type of campaign. We don't want to say those names. If we have to say it, try to just get it once yes. because that's information in mm-hmm. the story, mm-hmm. but otherwise secondary references that yes. don't use a name because we don't want to give notoriety to people mm-hmm. who seek that by hurting yes. others. And that's a very real uh, factor. And um, renowned um, forensic psychologist, Dr. Park Dietz has a really interesting YouTube video, brief YouTube video of five things not to do following a a tragic mass casualty event, um, active shooting event. Uh, Don't say their name. Uh, Don't show their picture, at least not a glamorized picture. Don't lead the story with sirens blaring and lights flashing because it does make it appealing to someone who's thinking about maybe I can do this. Maybe I can make a name for myself. Maybe this will draw attention to my cause. And so I appreciate uh, knowing that behind the scenes there has been a decision made not to traumatize viewers with certain images and not to um, kind of sensationalize or glamorize or give un unwarranted um, notoriety to, yeah. to um, killers. I'm, I'm yeah. glad to a lot. And a lot of our viewers appreciate that. And mm-hmm. they notice that. And that's what made us feel like, okay, we are doing the right thing. Yeah. People do notice. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to encourage any of that. So yeah. we're doing what we can. Yeah. And I think it's fine if other um, news outlets choose to do it differently, but that's why we have choices. Exactly. Well, you're listening to my interview with Taronda Thomas. You'll hear more when we come back. Stay with us. 
What if a psychologist with years of clinical and teaching experience wrote a book revealing secrets that therapists know but usually don't share? And what if that book provided strategies for experiencing change and transformation? That's exactly what you get with Dr. Pegg's book, Do Something Different for a Change, an insider's guide to what your therapist knows but may not tell you. Approaching 10 years in print, this self-help classic shares insights and strategies to help you overcome the three common barriers to change, heal your emotional pain and emptiness, and strengthen your connection to your true self and others. In the easy-to-understand, down-to-earth style she's known for, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark clearly communicates fundamental principles related to change and reveals secrets your therapist knows but may not tell you. Read Do Something Different for a Change tonight and have a better tomorrow. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. To learn more about our sponsor, SSI Guardian, or to purchase my book, Do Something Different for a Change, go to drpegradio.com. We're listening to an interview that I recorded with Nine News anchor Taronda Thomas. Let's continue. I'm talking with Taronda Thomas, uh, who's an award-winning journalist with Nine News, with the morning show and the midday programs as well. And uh, she's also a wife and a mother. So let's talk a little bit about self-care. Uh, how do you, um, I, I appreciate what you're saying in the moment, you're a professional and you're there to cover this story and to give that person a voice and space to have mm-hmm. whatever emotions and share whatever it is they want to share uh, with the viewing audience. Uh, so when you do get back into the truck in, or in your car on your way home, what kinds of um, self-care do you practice? Yeah. to? Because you've been in the game a long time. Yeah, I have. I have. And I would say in that moment, I still empathize with the person. and They mm-hmm. can see that clearly, but it's just trying not to cry mm-hmm. uh, while I'm in front of them. But afterwards, it's acknowledging the feelings, but also telling myself, which you can tell me, I don't know if this is good or bad, um, telling myself, you know, this is not you, this is not your mm-hmm, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't, you know, solve it for them mm-hmm. or you can't be consumed with worry because it's not your experience, which again, I don't know if that's good or bad because sometimes it takes me out of my own moments when mm-hmm. my natural tendency mm-hmm. is to say, nope, nope, pull away. You don't need to get emotional mm-hmm. right now. But I think giving myself time to think about it and just acknowledge mm-hmm. how I'm feeling mm-hmm. and the fact that this is so sad and I feel so badly for them. Um, and I'm in my personal beliefs, I would say a prayer mm-hmm. um, because that would make me feel there's something that, that I'm doing, mm-hmm. but also then just realizing that caring is enough. If that's all that I can do, mm-hmm. or if there's something else physical, tangible that I could do, then I, I will, whether that's giving to a cause or mm-hmm. volunteering with a group that's helping someone And I also acknowledge that by doing a story on someone Mm. with someone, then that's a way of helping, helping Mm. them 
whether that's raise the funds that they need to share the message that they want to. And then I just try to unplug. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a rule where I don't check my email before bed. Mm. I've just stopped that Mm -hmm. because then I just try to do too much before then and everything weighs on my mind. But I try to just literally detach. And once I get my children from school, my goal is for them to never know if I've had a bad day mm-hmm. because I want to give everything to them. I don't mm-hmm. want to pass on anything negative. Yes. And we'll talk more about your role, not only as an award-winning journalist, but you're also a wife and a mother. And yes. we'll talk about that and how, how the news affects affects children and yours in particular, mm-hmm. uh, that your their mom is someone who covers the news, good news and bad news every single day. Um, so in terms of self-care, I think, um, uh, what you're doing is is exactly you know what what I would recommend is acknowledging your feelings, not burying them. We see that a lot with first responders. Just as I was saying, that vicarious trauma uh, that first responders can experience, uh, they're it, they're kind of known for burying their feelings, compartmentalizing, and you know maybe kind of forgetting that it happened, putting it out of their minds, and then going home so they're not contaminating so to speak their their loved ones and I think that's uh honorable and admirable and we still have to feel our feelings it's one thing not to want to have that spill over into your family but that you take the time to feel those feelings and even say a prayer for the people involved and think about them or what can I do to help I think that's a really healthy approach and I hope that you're sharing that with your colleagues who may not be doing the same thing yeah yeah I think that's wonderful uh, let's continue talking about um, the news and how that affects young people and children, and in particular, your children. Uh, you're a, the mother of three. Do you uh, talk with your children about some of these tragic stories in the news? Of course, they don't need to know everything, uh, but they go to school, right? They're out and about yes. interacting with others. And so people talk about the, the newsworthy stories of the day. Or their parents may watch you on the news. And so the children know that, uh, you know, their little friend Mickey, who they play baseball with, his mom, you know, is the one reporting this tragic story. And I'm sure they ask, you know, what what happened with that story? I know your mom was there. I recall being interviewed about uh, on Nine News about the disappearance of and what we later learned to be the abduction, murder, and even dismemberment of Jessica Ridgway who was 10 years old, a Colorado girl for my listeners who are outside of Colorado. Uh, She was on her way walking to school when she was abducted. And um, just a tragic story that I remember as a mother, it it, It was heartbreaking heartbreaking because what do we do? Automatically, we put our own child into that scenario. I remember teaching a class uh, when in the aftermath of um, Jessica Ridgway's murder. And one of the students couldn't, uh, her daughter was supposed to uh, walk to school with uh, her uncle. Uh, the, my, my student's brother was visiting, and he was supposed to accompany her to school. Well, he called saying uh, she wasn't here when I got up and was ready to walk her to school. So she just panicked. And we were all thinking Jessica Ridgeway. Yes. And it turned out the little girl just forgot that she was supposed to wait on her uncle and just went on to school without him. And so everything ended up being just fine. But we all, you know, held a breath. Yeah, think. thinking about, oh my goodness, is this little girl okay? What? Is, how was that story for you and others? Because you have three young children yourself. That case, if you ask me which ones have been most impactful, that would be the top of my list. Mm. Because I was there from the very beginning when she went missing. Mm. 
the search for her. I was there when the news broke of they had found something of interest. They mm-hmm. weren't confirming, but mm-hmm. it, it was her. I was mm-hmm. there live mm-hmm. that entire time. I was there through court as well. And I think about that case. It just it it gives me chills when you say even say her name because that is one where it was so hard mm-hmm. to sit through court and. I remember every single Mm. detail and none of it was anything anyone would ever Mm. want to hear Mm -hmm. and every single picture. Mm. And it's one that that I've talked about with my husband saying, I I just have to tell somebody Mm. because this is so hard. And after one day in court with a police officer who actually found Jessica Mm. um, in the home when she had been dismembered Mm. and him talking and him not being able to say he just couldn't, he was mm. so emotional as mm. well. And that day on the way home, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in. I just mm. kept thinking that poor baby, mm. that poor, she's 10 years old. But mm. to me, that's yes, still, baby. Still. And I just, I just let it out. And I just cried on the way mm. home because it was just tragic. Mm. And as it was happening, though, when she went missing, that was an opportunity for me as a mom to talk to my children mm-hmm. about walking alone and what to do if you're Mm. approached by someone because we now know that the person who did this Mm -hmm. approached her in a car got her to get into the car and we talked about that and we talked about things like safe words strategies that you use to know whether someone is really Mm. who they say they are with your family after she was found and after they made an arrest I made a point to go to my children and say, ask them, what do you think the person who did this looks like? Mm. And they described a really creepy old man and probably has a beard and he looks very weird. And then I showed them a picture mm-hmm. on the Internet of the person who was arrested. And he was an 18 year old. He's a community college student. Exactly. Teaching in the community college looked system like at the time. like anybody mm-hmm. else. Might have even looked like, you know, a cool teenager to a little mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. And that really you could see their minds just were blown because Mm -hmm. they didn't think someone who looked like that could be capable of doing Mm -hmm. what we now know that he did so that was a teaching Mm -hmm. opportunity but I've also had to help myself from being um, too overprotective with the results of that because I remember not too long ago I let my son for the first time ride his bike Mm -hmm. to his friend's house in the neighborhood and call me as soon as you get there. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he's nine, so he forgot to of call course, me. Yes. So I get in my car. I'm driving. I don't mm. see him on his bike. I go to the friend's house. They're not there. Mm. And I just, I, I panic, frantic. Then I get back home trying to think what I'm going to do. And he starts riding his bike up the street. And I mm. just went out. I couldn't control myself. And I was screaming, where have you been? Mm. Where ha- don't you know what could happen? And I feel like I overreacted mm. and I was so panicked though. I, all I could think about was Jessica, mm-hmm. even this is years later mm. and she was all I could think about. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important that we take those types of cases as a teaching tool, mm. but also figure out how to deal with them emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And our, our prayers continue to go out to uh, the family of Jessica Ridgeway and any any uh, loved ones and acquaintances who might be listening. Uh, we just send our prayers and our love and um, just pray God's comfort to you just as the years go by. I know it, it doesn't always get easier. 
Um, so I like what you're saying, that we can take bad news and use it uh, as a teachable moment for our children uh, to help them process it, number one, uh, because as hard as it is for us as adults, it's even harder for children who have limited experience and even cognitive development to even make sense of what happened, let alone how they feel about it. Another important thing I believe um, that your story um, kind of brings up is how over time, even though it could be years later, sometimes, especially with trauma and PTSD, there's either a delayed onset or there's the effect of anniversaries or similar events that remind you of certain certain tragedies or traumas. And so to continue a conversation with your children over time and uh, developmentally appropriate. So That's a good uh, idea. you have a five-year-old? A five-year-old, five-year-old seven-year-old, seven, nine-year-old. And nine. Mm-hmm. And so they each have different needs when exactly. you're communicating uh, with um, these types of um of tragedies. What other kind of advice would you offer uh, parents who are concerned about their children's exposure to difficult news stories? What do you tell parents uh, based on your experience? I would say my children, I I don't expect them to sit and watch the news. I don't Mm. prefer Mm. for them to sit and watch the news, especially if it's unmediated. If I can't be there Mm -hmm. or my my husband's not there actively explaining things, because even when you when you just sit there, I believe that's called co-viewing. You don't say anything. Mm. It gives the impression that you're endorsing whatever's Mm. happening. So I think unless you want to be able to actively explain and discuss things, then maybe news isn't appropriate Mm. for all kids. But certain segments, yes, you know, a great story is coming up Mm -hmm. that they might like for sure. But don't just turn on the TV and let them go for it, just like you wouldn't on any channel. Um, I think just being prepared to have those conversations and knowing that, I just approach it from the fact that I know my children are going to see and be exposed to things that I would not prefer, Mm -hmm. and that'll happen for the rest of their lives. So why not be open and proactive, talk to them? I liken it to, you know, people think about the the debate of explicit rap and what to Mm do. And, you know, I, I have three children, and that's a lot of people listen to it. And I say that's not... It's not off limits in general for my children. It is right now Mm -hmm. because they're too young. But when we're prepared to have a conversation about Mm -hmm. what it is, what's real, what's not, then that's Mm -hmm. something that you might be able to consume. But in terms of the news, when I watch, if I watch with my son, which I don't do very often, I have to be honest, I do not watch the news with my children often because there's so much that they can't process. If there's something that's worrisome because I do worry about other people when they see them on the news and they get emotional Mm. and they wonder, is this going to happen to us? Mm. That earthquake that happened Mm. in Haiti, will it happen here? How do we know it won't? It's taking that, that proactive step to say, okay, now you see what just happened here. Mm -hmm. It, It may not happen where we live because, but just in case, if it does, we're prepared or you're safe. I'm going to do everything I can Mm -hmm. to keep you safe and reassuring them. I think that's what my children need the most reassurance because Mm -hmm. they get very emotionally invested Mm -hmm. in other people's experiences. Mm -hmm. And then we take that as an opportunity as well. My son is very, very empathetic Mm -hmm. and he feels very badly when he saw, for instance, a story of of children in Africa and and their needs. And I forget which country in Africa, but there's so many stories that we see coming Mm -hmm. out of that continent where people don't have what we have Mm -hmm. um, here in the States. So I said, well, instead of, being upset, crying, which he mm-hmm. was, let's do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I saw an organization and I showed him their page and said, you know what? They make 
a shoe that grows that a child can have for five years. And guess how much it costs to make one pair of shoes? Ten dollars. So how many ten dollars can you raise? And he brought it to his class, the entire grade in his school and raised hundreds of dollars. And now every year he has a project that he wants to do. He gets active and that that empowers children. Mm -hmm. So utilizing the news as a way for them to identify things they're passionate about that they maybe can take action and yes. even have an impact. Uh, and and um, what a wonderful way to educate them about world events and needs that especially children might yes. have who they may identify you with. You can't be blind to it. You can't mm-hmm. act like it doesn't exist. Yeah. But you can manage how they process it. Sure, sure. And I imagine the same is true for uh, we just came through a presidential election. And in the past, uh, we've had an emphasis on negative ads and how mm-hmm. do those affect children. And uh, I think this most recent election, maybe there was an emphasis on character and things like that. Mm-hmm. So once again, it really is just an opportunity to speak with our children about here's our values. Here are the character traits that we think are important in our family or based on our faith. And here are examples of maybe to the contrary and enabling you to have a discussion with your children. I think that is really a really good way to approach it. And I have to say, in my house, we don't talk politics. Okay. Nobody knows who mommy or daddy (laughs) votes for. My husband doesn't even know who I vote for. But we talk about concerns and Mm -hmm. and values. Like we said, what are our values? Mm -hmm. But not necessarily what are our political opinions. Mm -hmm. But I was surprised with this election how my nine-year-old came Mm. home with opinions about the candidates Mm. because they talk amongst each other at school. school. Mm -hmm. So that was an experience I had to, you know, kind of, he had a lot of misconceptions about both candidates. So we had to manage that. Manage that. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll find out how early Nine News Morning Team member Taronda Thomas has to get up for work. Well, you're listening to my interview with Taronda Thomas. You'll hear the answer to that question when we return. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 Security Consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join psychologist, author, and transformation specialist, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark for a one-day do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Dr. Peg's do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat is coming to Denver on Saturday, December 30th. Go to drpegradio.com forward slash retreat to register today. Welcome back, everyone, to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. If you're ready for change in one or more areas of your life, register now for my Do Something Different for Change 
Personal Transformation Retreat, Saturday, December 30th, 2017. Go to drpegradio.com and click on Retreat. Well, let's hear the rest of my recorded interview with Nine News anchor, Taronda Thomas. Welcome back, listeners. I'm here with Taronda Thomas from Denver's Nine News morning team and midday team. And we are talking about uh, the news yes. <laughs> and how to cope with sometimes yeah. bad news and what a toll that can take. And I'm, I'm pleased to say uh, to, to give you a, an A plus on your self-care. Oh, thank and you. And I know that you're into wellness in general, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. Uh, Taronda, what's the uh, website for people who want to um, kind of poke around and Absolutely. Online. Very easy. Go to 9news.com. You can see all the stories. Click on the About tab. You can learn more about me, all my colleagues. Email me. All right. We love hearing from people. Great, great. And we have listeners outside of Colorado, so they can live stream uh, the morning and, and midday shows and any 9 News programs, in fact, uh, from the internet. That's right. 9news.com. Very easy. Great. Uh, well, I know being a reporter on the morning show can't be easy. What time do you have to get up in the morning? To okay, do you want to know what time I get up or what time my alarm goes off? Because there's two different <laughs> two times. Different times. <laughs> so about. my alarm goes off at precisely. Well, the first one goes off at precisely one fifty-eight a.m. Then the second one, which is on my phone, goes off at two o three. Wow. And then I hit snooze a few times <laughs> on that one and then finally get up by about 2.40. Okay. And is that to get to the station on time or do you have a morning yes. routine that you're trying to put in before you go to work? I get to the station, yes, okay. by 3.15, 3.30. Wow. Um, I get there really quickly and then kind of get all the information that I need for my assignment mm -hmm. and figure out hair and makeup, mm -hmm. smack that on. Mm -hmm. But most importantly, the information is yes. what's most important That's to me. That's right. And I think, you know, we need to keep that in mind. Uh, we sometimes get sidetracked, especially with women journalists in television uh, journalists, uh, it's sometimes network decisions, especially national, are about how people look. look. But one thing I always tell people when I talk about Toronto Thomas is number one, how smart you are, thank and number you. two, how nice you are. Oh, thank and you, it, you know, Dr. Of Peck. course, you're beautiful as well, but I think we, we, we want to not emphasize that no. over everything else, that you're there to bring us the news, to keep us informed, exactly. uh, and at times entertained. Uh, yeah. And um, so it, it really is... It, that's the most yeah, important thing. Yeah, it's really in my unfair yeah. how how much more women are criticized. I I read one study that I believe it was three times more negative interactions for women than men in terms of male anchors or female anchors mm. on the news, and about three quarters of that interaction was based on aesthetics, how mm. they looked, their earrings being too long mm. or their dress being the wrong color, and oh, I've had some mean things, oh, yeah. <laughs> some mean comments. That's why I like radio. You know, <laughs> before social media, you'd never know what I looked like or what I was wearing. Um, oh, if you haven't seen Dr. Pegg, she's beautiful, but she's just as smart as she is beautiful. So well, that's what matters. Thank you. And am I, am I nice to You are, for sure. <laughs> All right, great. Well, uh, we, we know that it requires balance uh, to do what you do and do it well and still be a wife and a mother and be healthy and, and do your job with excellence. What's your routine like? What are some tips you can offer mm -hmm. uh, for wellness, um, for organization, for balance? I would say set your goals. Know what you want to achieve. Do you want to feel better? Do you want more energy? How do you go about that? I'm a big proponent of exercising, mm -hmm. working out. I think it gives you so much more energy. Figure out what's best for you. Maybe that's taking a walk around the block. Maybe it's an intense exercise class. You know, maybe it's something more low key. But if you can schedule that 
and fit it in. You and I were chatting before the show mm-hmm. that, you know, someone may need me to come and do some extra work in the afternoon, but you know, it's, it's a time that I schedule a workout class. I literally schedule it. So schedule your workouts mm-hmm. because they matter to you and drink water. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is have that at your desk. So say I'm going to fill up my water bottle three times while I'm at work today. I think that's really big. And I think it definitely works. And then um, for me, just for my personal happiness, You know, you feel like it puts you at a disadvantage, but I do seriously believe in unplugging Mm -hmm. and not spending my whole weekend checking email, Mm -hmm. looking for voice messages. And social media is is a form of work for me, too. So not letting that take up all my time Um, going. I go to church and that for me is the absolute quiet time. You Mm -hmm. cannot reach me. I don't have my phone, just like at the gym, church and gym. Those are two places you cannot reach me. <laughs> All right. So I think setting your boundaries is key. Yes, and that, that really tells people what your priorities are, mm-hmm. um, setting time aside for the Lord and, and to worship with other believers and um, uh, to rejuvenate yourself physically yeah. and keep yourself it matters. healthy and well. And I always say my goal is, when I think about, oh, let me just check this one more email, I don't want my kids to remember me as looking down on my iPhone going, hold on one second, I'll be right with you. That made me feel bad the first time my daughter did an impression of me and she did that. And I said, okay, let me pull back or check it while they're not looking. Like, don't let them see me. Wow. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's good. I hope there are some people who are hearing that and saying, ouch. Yeah. <laughs> that, that stung uh, when yeah. she did that. I'm like, that's an impression of mommy. Yeah. Okay. One of the things the Lord has been showing me recently is about the myth of multitasking and how the, all the psychological research backs that up. It's a myth. What we're really doing is task switching mm-hmm. when we're talking about complex um, types of um, higher level tasks. Yeah. And uh, we're less effective and efficient and less accurate when we're multitasking. We feel like we're getting so much yeah, done. Yeah, you do. But really, it's um, less efficient, less accurate. Wow. And um, we're just not focusing. And what the Lord showed me, I was working at my desk and my daughter called me. Similar thing. Our kids kind of uh-huh. are that mirror and that wake up <laughs> call. And she called all excited to talk to me about something. And I, I could barely pull myself away from my keyboard of oh. what I was working on. And I realized, what am I doing? Because I, yeah. I was still trying to type while I was listening to her, and I really couldn't focus on either. Yeah. And the Lord kind of nudged me, tapped me on the shoulder, and said, what are you doing? Listen to your Close daughter. that laptop and take 10 minutes and yes. you know, let her know I only have 10 minutes. I'm on a deadline, but I want to give you my full it attention. It totally matters. And one it little really trick does. I do is anytime my kids ask me if I want to play, I say yes. Now, I might only have three minutes, mm. precisely three minutes, but I say, yes, <laughs> All right. we play a little bit and then yeah. I figure out a, a smooth way to yeah. back on out. But I always, I still play Barbie's Dr. Peg. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, and I think it doesn't matter the age. My daughter's 22 and I still am, you know, the yeah. Lord is saying it's still important That's to make great. time for her. And it really isn't about just our children. It really is your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you making time in your busy day are you making time for one another are yeah. you making time for god are you making time for the people who matter I think yeah i feel like i could always get better at that so it's yes. a work in progress we all can and i think though when it's on our radar and we make that intention and commitment to do it we, we see the value of it mm-hmm. i think it makes it a little easier uh, so what does drive you what what makes it all worth it to get up at <laughs> at the crack of dawn man so dark, oh dark 30 yes I think the fact that I'm doing something that I wanted to do since I mm. was a little girl, mm. the fact that my children are so proud of me, mm. that recently <laughs> in recent years has really motivated me when they come home and go, Mom, that story you did was really cool. Mm. Or my friends saw this and oh. that. And I, that really motivates yeah. me to make my children proud mm. and um, to know that, you know, what I do could impact someone else's life. Mm-hmm. I met 
at an event recently, um, a man who I was getting in the elevator trying to get away really quickly so I can get back to my children because I hate when I'm gone in, in at night since I'm not there in the morning. <laughs> um, and he said, I don't want to interrupt you, but my daughter just loves you. And he showed me a picture and Aww. she's a little like seven year old little Aww. girl. So cute with her little glasses. And I said, you know what? Do you want to do a video? And I could tell her hi on the video. Aww. And he just was so happy and said that would put her over the moon to, to know that little kids are watching mm -hmm. or that someone in college or, or someone who just wants to to see someone who looks like them mm -hmm. or to see someone who has a fun like they do or just to see something different mm -hmm. um, that that they would enjoy it or be inspired that makes yeah. me motivated yeah. and and you are quite a, a role model you're quite a, a a person in the community that people look up to Thank I see you. you a lot emceeing different community events and as an African-American woman um, definitely there are people who are, are saying, hey, if she can do that, I can do that too. And that is exactly what I mm -hmm. want people to think, mm -hmm. like get up and go for it. Mm -hmm. You can definitely do it. Absolutely. Thank you for doing that and your wonderful work in the community. Uh, Taronda Thomas, thank you so much for being my guest today. The time went so fast. Yes, it did. Wow, we got to do this again. We Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Uh, you can watch Taronda Thomas every weekday morning and middays on Denver's 9 News. My guest has been Taronda Thomas, and I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. Well, I enjoyed that recorded interview with Taronda Thomas. I'm glad to get her tips on coping with bad news. If you've been stuck in a bad news rut, stay tuned for how to get out and do something different for a change. Don't go away. We'll be back. Are you prepared for a sudden cardiac arrest? Having an AED is simply not enough. School athletic coaches are required to have CPR and AED training, but they can only save a life with properly functioning and maintained equipment. Maintain compliance and reduce your liability with AED program management from SSI Guardian. Buy an AED and receive a two-year management program for free. Call us today at 877-878-5800 or visit us at SSIGuardian.com. Feeling stuck? Ready for something different? If you want change in one or more areas of your life, join psychologist, author, and transformation specialist, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark for a one-day Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Experience a time of refreshment, reflection, and focus designed to help you discover where you are, where you want to go and what's holding you back. By attending Dr. Pegg's Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat, you'll learn a skill set and develop a mindset that will give you the life-transforming strategies, clarity, and vision you need and want to move forward. Register now for Dr. Pegg's Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat coming to Denver on Saturday, December 30th. Accelerate the change you want. Achieve freedom from what keeps you stuck and gain the confidence you need to reach your personal or career goals. Go to drpegradio.com forward slash retreat to register today. All right. Thanks so much for staying with me. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark and I want to share a testimonial from someone who attended my Do Something Different for Change personal transformation retreat last year. Take a listen to Cindy Wilson. And Sydney's a gifted artist. Uh, she's the author of a book of poetry called Flesh-Toned Redemption. And she also plays the harp. And <laughs> you don't meet people every day who play the harp. So you've got to know Sydney Wilson is a special person. And Sydney participated in my inaugural Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat 
that we held last year on New Year's Eve, which was so much fun. Sydney Wilson, thanks for being on the program and welcome to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dr. Pegg. It's really a blessing to be here. Well, thank you so much. And you're you're comfortable in a radio studio. You were a, an engineer and, and produced a show for, for many years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you participated in my very first uh, Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. Yes. And what were your expectations and your goals the retreat. It was a brand new event at that time. So I appreciated your trust and confidence in me uh, to to make that investment of time and money. Uh, So what were your expectations and what were you hoping to get from the experience? Yeah, um, honestly, I didn't have like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go in with too many expectations. I just wanted to go and receive whatever we had going, whatever was whatever God had for me. Mm -hmm. And um, it was so special because it was New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve. And it was just such a perfect time to do something like that. And um, I guess um, any expectations I could have had were to just be more clear on the changes I may want to make and to pinpoint what may have been holding me back from making those changes. Yeah, and that was a key part of uh, how and why I designed the retreat was for people to really get clear on where are you today? Where do you want to go? Exactly. And what's holding you back? And and we don't always make an accurate assessment of where we even are. We don't realize just how stuck we are. Right. And surprisingly, some people, I think many people, don't have a really clear vision of what they want. They know they're not happy where they are, but when you ask them, what do you want? Most people talk about what they don't want right. instead of actually articulating that vision for the future. And then they have no clue of what's keeping them stuck. Right. So those expectations, um, it sounds like uh, we hit the nail on the head with what I was hoping people yes. would get from it. Great. So what kind, what impact did the retreat have on you during and after? And uh, yeah, um, during the retreat, I felt very nourished there. I liked that it was um, kind of a smaller, more intimate group. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that it was more eight to 10 pe- people versus um, like 25 people. Right. And um, it was definitely a safe environment uh, to express your truths in. And um, there was a lot of time allowed to go inside of yourself and to reflect. And I really liked that about it. Um, It was kind of a nice, um, casual, slower pace. Mm -hmm. And I liked that about it so that we could really go in depth with what you were um, showing us and teaching us with your uh with your workbook mm-hmm. and um you're just uh it, it was uh you're just a wealth of knowledge oh, no thanks Sydney. <laughs> and um like in dr peg she's extremely capable of helping people reach their goals and i just love that about the way you uh structure your your whole workshop and and it's just really um it is you centered, you know, and it's about really looking at yourself and reflecting. Mm-hmm. So I like that about it. Outstanding. And by design, it is small. You can get what people might call a retreat or some kind of personal workshop. You can get those in any city across the country. And often they will be 30 and 40 and 50 people, mm-hmm. however many they can pack in the room because they get paid for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and But by design, I wanted to keep it small and intimate. And in fact, going forward, we'll be capped at six people. Oh, so good. it'll be even more intimate than the one you experienced. 
and um, intentionally by design time, as you talked about, to really hear from the Lord mm-hmm. and really reflect on your own thoughts and and think about a, a personal strategy for moving forward, which which I help with as well. Uh, so where are you right now uh, in terms of having applied? Because I'm really big on that, Sydney. Yeah. Uh, we can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. We have to put information into practice. So where are you now with everything that you took away from the retreat? Yeah, exactly. Um, after the retreat, I was really examining everything in my life and um, everything in my life that wasn't in line with my expectations for myself. And I started making conscious decisions that have been changing my year as far. Yeah. And uh, I guess two of the biggest decisions I made was to focus on um, physical fitness this year mm-hmm. because I just hadn't been very active and um I wanted to make that change, and so I signed up, and I'm in self-defense classes, and that's something that keeps me motivated and uh, sparks me to be more active. Outstanding. And then um, I also joined my church choir this year because I just uh, I want to I want to nurture the musician inside. So. Amen. Well, we, <laughs> hopefully we can look forward to some harp solos oh, yes. uh, accompanying that the beautiful too. voice. Well, thanks so much, uh, Sydney, for taking the time out to share your experiences with the Personal Transformation Retreat. Thank you so much. So listeners, um, like Sydney, you can attend my Do Something Different for a Change Personal Transformation Retreat, and you can gain clarity and understanding about where you are, where you want to go, and what's holding you back so you can feel excited about doing something different and confident that you're moving in the right direction. And if this is what you need in your life in this season, register now. Do something different for a change. Personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com and click on retreat. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.